And now it's time for the Techie U Drive at Five with Kate Lawrence and Dan Taylor. Let's do this. Well, all right, all right, all right. You have found it. This is the Techie U Drive at Five. I am your host, Dan Taylor. And the truth is, we are, in fact, the droids you're looking for. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. It's episode God only knows. What episode is this? 21. It's episode 21. Welcome back. I'm joined this week by lead guitarist, Kate Lawrence. Uh, our bassist is, what is he doing? He's out at some fancy lunch. Is that, is that what I heard, Kate? Some kind of networking where there may be, you know, freebies and things like that involved. Right. Which is essential for any journalist. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Two martini free drinks. Lunch. Two martini lunch is, is it definitely helps the writing. Uh, but <laughs> we wouldn't know anything about that around here. Me and Jack Daniels do a lot of great writing together. Not at all, being a Friday afternoon. You know what? Before we dive into the news this week, hey, what's happening? What's shaking? What's what's going on? We were just talking dongles off air. Yeah. Hi, everybody. Yeah. Good morning. Good evening. Good afternoon. Whatever time of day you're listening, we're all here for you. Um, yeah, I was just talking. I'm in the office today. I rent an office in Mitter, um, and my husband is, does a lot of podcasting himself, so I'm using his equipment. And there was a world of pain because my new MacBook Air has the um, the um, the ports on the wrong side to his setup. So it's literally <laughs> my, my my real life scenario in tech, which is being left handed in a right handed world which is something I've dealt with all my life, right. everything from desks at university to writing on a, a whiteboard. And now I've got the same thing, just trying to record something, you know, making it hard, Apple. You're not the first person I've heard with that whole, wow, I just got this shiny new MacBook or MacBook Pro or MacBook Air or whatever. Well, actually, no, the Air. And oh, crap, it's only got two ports. What do I do now? Yeah, the world of dongles—it's—it's—it's it's, it's for real, I guess. I, I myself am kind of in the in the in the market for some new tech. I've been looking at the Mac Mini M2 Pro. I think I've heard us. There's, there's way, way too many words in that. I don't know, but then of course, then I look at the Mac Studio M1, but it's got more core processors, but not as many GPU. But I don't do as much photo editing as I used to do. But I do occasionally. I edit this podcast and I do video and. Oh, dear God. I don't know. I'll just buy them all, right? Buy them all. That's that's the solution. Buy them all. And I mean, really, Apple should be talking to us, you know, giving us some to try out because you've got a, a loyal following that will, um, you know, we will give them a workout and, and be able to give a fairly honest review because we know the pain of when something just doesn't meet up to your expectations when it comes to tech. We do reviews. I mean, we don't, but I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm very open to doing <laughs> reviews. That's right. So, uh, tech companies, if you're listening, send us your shit uh, at, uh, at at stuff at tech.eu. Let's go create that email address real quick. Well, all right, Kate, let's get into the news. Uh, you were out of office this week. I'm I and, and I have to say, I'm I'm just I'm detecting a theme here, Kate, because last week mm. you talked about death tech, or sorry, mm -hmm. what, you refer to it as what I call death, but what did you say when your heart no, stops? Longevity eating? tech. This week you were at the sixth. Sense Summit. Try saying that five times fast. Mm -hmm. That's the um, reason not to do that afternoon drinking, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Shit, let me go get it. Let me pour another. Hang on. Yes. And um, I, I won't say that five times fast because we'll all be in a world of pain. But um, yes. yeah, correct. This was a um, an event um, for startup scale-ups. And there's another mouthful. So basically startups that already have, you know, fairly evolved. They have customers. They have some, you know, some um, commercial offerings already in the um you know commercial commercially available that you can you can use mm -hmm. and um they it's the sixth sense is basically a spin-off from a company called hexagon which is industrial manufacturing 
And their aim really is to provide, I guess, a bit of an ecosystem so that um, companies can innovate and, you know, join join forces a little bit with hexicon manufacturing so mm-hmm. they can you know get access to customers they can get access to markets things that you know previously uh, uh, some of the very pinnacle challenges of working in the industrial space for startups mm-hmm. and um this is the second cohort they've gone through so there's been a couple of years of the program and they've had 15 teams go through and a lot of them are people that are coming from university spin-offs mm. or there's been some type of sort of, you know, um, iteration where there's a, a research background of some capacity. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, and, and what, uh, I mean, I, I'm all for a spin-off, spin-up, spin-out, mm. uh, smart mm. people doing good Me things who, who need help, yeah, who need help commercializing their project. Uh, what what caught your eye? Any Any highlights? Yeah, I mean, I think the thing I find most interesting in this space at the moment is it's kind of like, you know, we've been talking industry 4.0 for about, oh, God, what is it, eight years, <laughs> maybe a bit longer? Yes. Possibly. And now we're kind of seeing the second iteration of that where, you know, originally we're talking about things like industrial IoT. So it's all about reducing um, downtime in the factories, increasing efficiency. But now we've got an extra layer of innovation where it's really that kind of combinatorial um, aspect that's the most important. So it's the combination of different technologies working collaboratively. So we have things like AR, we have additive manufacturing or 3D printing um, and, you know, different ways of using these tools to solve problems. Like um, an exa- a really good example is the use of 3D printing software that enables a, a company to uh, work out what you know, what are the surface gaps? For example, if you're waiting on a small part for a, um, a machine that um, it may be, you know, manufactured in another country and we've seen the problems of what happens when supply <laughs> chains break. Mm, <laughs> um, something something like 3D printing gives you an opportunity to not only build your own parts but also create a parts library so you have those spares available. Um, so we're really seeing a lot of these sorts of things. Likewise with um, AR, um, where, for example, a field technician could use AR um, remotely so that they can um, solve, you know, some fairly simple problems without needing to take a site visit to a factory or something like that. Yeah. And I think what underpins these kinds of things as well is is that um, sustainability factor. So we're able to really just, you know, companies are now under a lot of pressure um, and also, I guess, investors are, are talking sustainability, as we know from the last um, TechEU uh, podcast that um, Robin did recently. And, you know, they're wanting um, ways to reduce, you know, carbon miles and reduce um, wastage and material innovation and just find ways of doing things better. And I think that's where this is all really coming in together. Yeah, yeah. So that, that world of, of build it on the other side of the uh... – uh, well, world, uh, for a cheaper cost is uh, perhaps coming back to bite us in the ass, shall we say. And these guys are looking to to bring it back home. Yeah, and I think one of the biggest learnings for a lot of people um, in, in, you know, in the industrial space, which has often relied on, you know, a fairly slow innovation cycle, you know, it's often um, that IT, OT divide that people talk mm. about mm-hmm. um, from, you know, it's often the, 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 the lament is often that the, um, you know, the blue collar work- workers are resistant to change. But now we're seeing that, you know, there are skill shortages in, in a lot of these roles. There just aren't enough people to fill them. 
and they can actually attract people by making these jobs more um, tech folk, tech driven. So yeah. it's a more interesting role that people can can come on board with. So there's all these kind of flow on effects when you integrate technology into um, an industrial space, and it's everything from companies that are undergoing profound transformations. Things you think about automotive, which is very heavily aligned with a lot of these kind of technologies. Sure. You know, companies are having to change their their whole business model of how they design the cars to the kind of batteries or how they power the cars. Are we using batteries? Are we using some kind of hybrid, or maybe green hydrogen or solar? And so, you know, bringing in these kind of um, iterative tooling through um, startups that can bring in the innovation, you know, and what these programs do is they can provide that sort of nexus between a startup that's got a, you know, a good idea, but also a commercial offering, but they need that, they need that opportunity to scale up. So, mm -hmm. you know, they can get a chance to really accelerate the innovation by meeting customers and all those sorts of things. Nice. Nice. Really yeah, nice. Yeah, it's nice. It's nice. Well, speaking of innovation, uh, let's bring it and, and bringing it home. Let, let's bring it back Ooh. home. I, I, of course, live in London. Uh, and it was, well, I want to start this segment about Tech Nation with a quote, if I may. Please do. It was the best of times. It was the worst of times. It was the age of wisdom. It was the age of foolishness. It was the epic of belief. It was the epic of incredulity. It was the season of light. It was the season of darkness. It was the spring of hope. It was the winter of despair. That, of course, comes from Charles Dickens' classic, A Tale of Two Cities. And quite frankly, I feel it's uh, more than apropos. I don't know when Tale of Two Cities was written. Do you have any idea? It's like late, mid, late 19th century. Shall we say ye olden days? Yes. Yes. Ye oh. Oldie. That's O-L-D-E. Old, oh, yes. With the old e. <laughs> days. Right. But uh, the news this week was that Tech Nation is shutting up shop as of the end of March, which um, let, let me get into it. If, for those of you who don't know Tech Nation, um, get out from under that rock that you're living under. Uh, and Tech Nation is, is, is a force in the UK tech scene, or used to be. Oh, God, I, I, it pains me to talk about it in, in past tense now. Uh, they started operations in 2014, and they are self-described as the growth platform for tech companies and leaders. And they provide coaching, community, and connections services that founders need for their journey in designing the future. Okay. I mean, I've, I've heard that before. Fair enough. And, and that's good. I mean, I'm glad that that's here. But for many, myself included, the biggest draw of Tech Nation was that they were a designated body that was capable of sponsoring visas, specifically the Tier 1 Exceptional Talent visa. Did you know I'm an exceptional talent, Kay? That's quite a status to... Um... Do you feel any pressure with that? No, none at all. None at all. <laughs> According to Tech Nation, I'm exceptionally talented. Now, whether that that's, could be a T-shirt. Whether that do they do they give you this T-shirt when you get the visa? No, it's so when you they're can just wear it. No, it's when they're recruiting you. It's like the you know U.S. Like I still have. Ooh. You know what? Believe it or not, I still have the T-shirt the United States Army sent me when I was uh, two weeks before my 18th birthday. That's a thing in the US. I don't know if it's still a thing. What, they sent you a t-shirt? They what? send you a gray t-shirt, it says army on it. And believe it or not, I still have that t-shirt and I still wear it as pajamas. You're still spinning me out with the idea that they, they recruit you with a t-shirt before oh, yeah. you're it's, old enough to, to kill anyone with a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's an information pack and, and a free t-shirt oh, kid. And, you know, and two, two, two officers show up at your door and they knock and they try to get you to join the 
Army. Uh, my mom bought me my first guitar to keep me out of the army. I've been playing guitar ever since I was 18 years old. I now have Much seven better. of them. Yes, definitely. Uh, but anyway, back to Tech Nation tangent. Back to Tech Nation. Um, what's going on? If if you, if you didn't read my my stellar article, which I blasted out in five minutes because it was a bit of a surprise news to Ooh. us, was I mean we've 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 known that that Tech Nation was going to have the funding pulled. Uh, they were supported by the DCMS, which is the Department for Digital Culture, Media, and Sport. I don't know mm-hmm. how tech falls, like digital culture, media, and sport. It's kind of an oxymoron right there. Uh, but they they pulled the funding uh, for Tech Nation, rewarding it to Barclays, a Ooh. commercial entity, a bank, which is pretty interesting. Um, but what's really unclear is what's going to happen with the visas. So I myself, I feel like I'm fine. I hope I'm fine. I've passed that three-year threshold mm. uh, so I can renew my visa. And when I do go to renew my visa, I'm I actually, a week from yesterday, I'm going to take my life in the UK test, uh, at which point once I pass that, then I can finalize my application for indefinite leave to remain. And then as long as I don't do anything incredibly stupid, they can't throw me out of the country. Whew. Uh, what's unclear is whether Barclays is going to carry on with that. And as you can imagine, this caused quite an uproar across the UK um, as Technation, uh, according to their stats, they played uh, a crucial role in the creation of some 13,000 jobs over the course of nine years. And some of the alumni through the program include uh, founders and or people involved with Monzo, Revolut, Bloom and Wild, Zilch, Just Eat, Dark Trace, Marshmallow, Skyscanner, Peak AI and Deliveroo to name a few. Mm-hmm. Kate, thoughts? Yeah, well, I mean, firstly, you're talking about a sector that's probably already hard hit by Brexit. You know, there's been that that brain drain of, I know um, here in Berlin, we have a lot of um, Brexit refugees mm-hmm, who've mm-hmm. Um, left because they want that optionality to be able to move around the EU. Um, and yeah, I think it's very disappointing. And it also has someone who was also a, um, what's referred to now as a third nation, are you people people who aren't EU? Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, it's you know I know how hard it is for people accessing visas because of, there's already delays. People put their life on hold. There's often quite a, ro- a long run up period. You mm-hmm. don't just pack a bag and leave a country generally. Right. Um, right. And so I'd imagine people in um, in Asia and Africa and these um, more remote areas, um, you know, ge- geography wise, mm-hmm. would be kind of going wow. I mean. This, they've got the deal till, till end of March, I think it is. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. there'd be a lot of um, people, you know, scrapping it together, trying to to make it work in that very small time frame. Absolutely. That's yeah, tough. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad you touched on Brexit because mm. a uh, uh, very casual polling that I did, this was actually spurred on by our friend Mike Butcher over at TechCrunch, mm. uh, but he would put it out on Twitter and he was saying, you know, ask a, ask a founder what it's like to import talent from Europe right now. Uh, and I said, oh, okay. So I, on Twitter, Ooh. said, hey, what's it like to import talent now? And the responses I got were pretty eye-opening. I mean, I saw some uh, very interesting responses, a couple I've, I've actually followed up with, uh, one of whom is in the UK, super guy. I know him for a while now, uh, but he is uh, a Russian. And so he actually told me about a very interesting story with his company that is based here in the UK, was founded here in the UK, but he, being Russian, uh, Barclays gave him a bit of a runaround. So, I mean, I'm not going to say that he is going to be the precedent they set, but um, yeah, the story he told me was uh, uh, less than complimentary, shall we say. Hmm. So yeah, that in combination with Brexit, quite frankly, I'm 
Glad I got in when I did. Yeah, I'm glad to agree with that. Yeah. I mean, the other thing it makes me think about is someone like Barclays. You've got a bank where, you know, these banks are often guilty of, um, I guess, all kinds of greenwashing and other types of washing when it comes to, you know, ticking boxes and things Money like washing. that. <laughs> um, well, that too. <laughs> I do live in Germany. <laughs> but, um, you know, if we look at things like social impact um, startups where people um, with talent might be coming from, you know, areas where their first, you know, their entry into the startup ecosystem is not as clear as someone who's coming with a fintech or a SaaS company. Mm. I would be curious how that, if they decide to even take on the role of visas, what, what kind of impact that would have too? I mean, I guess that's something that only time will tell. But uh, for those that are in the application process right now, oh, man, best of luck to you because I went through it and I know what a uh, financial drain it is, what yeah. a, what an emotional drain it is. Um, and yeah, so uh, if there's anything we can do to help at TechEU, mail us Ooh. at visas at tech.eu and we'll do our best to help you out. I got a bunch of email addresses to create after the show, don't I, Kate? Yeah. Well, you can tweet, tweet us. We're on Twitter. We're, we're on the tweeters? Yeah, we're still on the um, the dying bluebird, as I like to call it. All right. Well, let's oh, hang on. Let's let's save that conversation for another day because we could do a whole <laughs> episode about that. Oh yeah. But uh, you know, Kate. I mean, I don't need legal representation yet. Uh, and after I get this indefinite leave to remain, I better keep my nose clean. But uh, maybe uh, I can use AI to do so in the near mm. future. Tell me about it. Yeah, I mean. Let's be very clear when we talk about this. We're not talking about, um, you know, companies like Do Not Pay who are really <laughs> trying to kind of, uh, they they were kind of trying to just put their own product in in the courts by having a um, AI system give someone uh, to be exact that what they were basically doing was someone was in traffic court, so there'd been some type of fairly minor traffic violation in the mm. US. They had someone with them um, using AI to tell the person, the um, defendant, what to say. <laughs> so we like imagine asking questions to ChatGP or something like that. Um, so we're not at that stage, but I mean, there is a lot of ways that the legal system is using um, tech to um, increase efficiency, reduce delays, um, and lower costs as well. So they're really making services more accessible. And it ranges from everything, from obviously things like teleconsulting, being able to provide on-demand services through platforms and things like that, to um, uh, things like, um, I guess, automating contracts or simplifying the process, being able to be very um, intentional with um, editing documentation. An example there might be, I don't know if anyone has seen the film Clueless, which is a 90s classic. If you haven't seen it, I recommend it, um, where basically the um, the characters have to go through a, a whole, whole table full of legal documents and black out one particular name. So they have to look and find this one name in the whole document. And this is on printed, printed paper and highlighters. So, wow. you know. It's oh, a, one those, yeah, totally. But <laughs> now you can actually do those sorts of things using tech, obviously. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think what we're seeing there is people, are, you know, being able to make predictions as well. So they're able to, um, you know, use technology for predictive scenarios, like in international arbitration, where they might be looking at what's the precedent here that we can build off to um, to consider what, what might be a likely outcome. So those sort of very, even those earlier stages of um, planning a case to um, just be able to do things like um, 
get your tech to go through all your documents and give you a, a timeline of events, which, mm-hmm. you know, if you've ever written a, an article that includes a timeline, it's a painful process. <laughs> I think we know that. Indeed. So there's some exciting stuff happening in this space. And I think it's one where it's not always the most apparent to um, us as users, unless we're looking at very direct customer orientated services by startups. But, you know, it's, you know, B2B stuff is where it's mm-hmm. really taking off. Mm-hmm. You know, reading the article, one that jumped out at me, and maybe, maybe, well, hopefully, you can talk to it now. Is the and I'm gonna, I'm gonna butcher this. Chi Odia Paga, K K Odia Chi. How do you, I don't? I have. No I didn't idea. even try. I'll be honest. <laughs> tell, 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 tell me about that one. Tell me a bit more. Yeah. Um. Basically, that one is a. I think they're undergoing a bit of a stage of change at the moment because there's not that much information about them. I did quite a bit of googling, mm-hmm. but it's but. Basically, um, there's a number of companies looking at things like um, dispute resolution. And this one is particularly focused on um, issues where people are wanting to uh, fight scenarios like revenge porn, uh, defamation threats, stalking, and so on. And these are now sort of crimes that Italy has actually been quite proactive at actually advancing that kind of cybercrime mm-hmm. um, space so that there is actual legal outcomes for people who um, put a case forward. Yeah. And what this does is it basically gives people a platform where they can get help um, fairly quickly uh, without needing to get, you know, pay a lot of money up front or anything like that. So it's quite a, I think it's quite an important one. Yeah, yeah, I, mm. I agree. I agree. Uh, and, and me, just anytime I see an Italian tech company, I'm all over it. So this was a, this was a nice one for, for me. I, I think Italy often gets overlooked. You know, we talk about Germany, we talk about Spain, we talk mm. about France. Uh, and, uh, I think yeah. so too. Yeah. Any, anytime there's some Italian tech going on, uh, I'm, I'm a big fan. Um, shifting gears. Thanks for that, Kate. Shifting Welcome. gears. Uh, I want to talk about... And this one, this one's I, like I, I, I mean, I don't know if you know this, Kate, but like deep tech and space nuclear, uh, yeah, deep tech, space nuclear, like any, any anything deep and nerdy, man, I like it. So it's a when, sexy space, isn't it? Just I, oh, thanks, Kate. I, <laughs> that's 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 usually not the comment I get. Um, so this week, uh, a big a big fun one landed, and that well, or or took off. I don't, or landed well took off and then landed uh that's the exploration company and if you're not familiar with the exploration company they are in no way boring see what i did there the boring company <laughs> I did, yeah indeed. there we go there we go so the exploration company what they're doing is they're they're well they're not really exploring uh but they're helping others explore let's say that they are a uh, a franco-german startup and they're working in space and what they're doing is what the americans and chinese have been doing for quite a while now and that is uh, giving those respective geographies their first reusable space capsule. Oh, okay. As of right now, Europe has no answer to this. Uh, but pretty soon, oh. hopefully in, uh, when are they launching? 2024, so next year, they plan on putting their first reusable space capsule up into uh, space uh, where they will be shuttling some parts up to... Now, this I found this was interesting. They said shuttling parts up to space stations. So I mm-hmm, guess they're going to mm-hmm. service the Chinese space station as well. Mm-hmm. Kind of interesting. Uh, yeah. Considering who who is it? Somebody just said they weren't going to go to the Chinese space station anymore. Controversial. So we covered their seed round, which was a 5.3 million euro round in late November of 2021. And this time around, they came back with a number almost eightfold that. And in a Series A, they landed 40.5 million, obviously giving them 
uh, a lot more money and a lot more longitude and runway to deal with. Uh, that Series A round was led by EQT Ventures and Red River West with new and existing investors, including, okay, here we go. Ready? Promus Ventures, Cherry Ventures, V Squared, Omnis Capital, July Fund, Partech, Possible Ventures, Haber Dassault Finance, Schlumberger, and Sista Fund. I got that almost in, in one breath. Uh, and uh, as I said earlier, they're going to uh, launch their first vessel targeting 2024. Uh, but this one, I thought, you know, I thought this was a was a fun little nod here. They're, all of their capsules are named Nynx. That's N-Y-X. Do you know who Nynx is, Kate? I do not. I didn't either. Nynx is the Greek goddess of the cosmos creation. Mm, so deep. I thought that was a clever, clever little nod to uh, where they're going and where they're headed and what the aspirations are. Uh, but yeah, yeah. I mean, Europe is finally getting in the uh, reusable capsule space. Yeah, great. I like the idea of the um, reusable aspect too, because there's always been such a, a an issue with space junk. Mm. You know, where debris is is left. Um, well, there's even startups know. working on that too. So yeah, correct. Yeah, right, Kate. You know, normally we end the show with Robin's one more thing, but Robin's not here. You got a one more thing? No. Nah, me neither. Well, listen, I think that's all the time we've got for The Drive at Five this week. I've not been joined by Pink Floyd bassist Roger Waters. I have been joined by lead guitarist Kate Lawrence. My name is Dan Taylor. Yours is not. And we are out of here. I've been waiting to do that for 30 minutes now. <laughs> that was Woo. inspired, I could say. Woo! Thank you. Thank you very thank you very much. I'll be here all week. Make sure you tip your waiter.